Last week, we started wrestling with this story of two disciples who were getting out of town after the crucifixion of Jesus. They were on the road to a village called Emmaus when something interesting happened. They were walking along, talking about everything that had happened over the last few days when they were joined by a mysterious stranger. They had a long conversation with this mysterious stranger about everything that had happened on that horrible Friday, about what their friends had reported on that bewildering Sunday. And even though they couldn't put their finger on it, there was something about him that affected them, that grabbed them and held them by the heart. His knowledge of God's word, his authority, whatever it was, they just didn't recognize him. But his words and his presence were real and powerful. And so today we pick up on verse 28 of Luke chapter 24. Our scripture lesson begins in that verse. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So we went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and he blessed and he broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did our hearts burn, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that, they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Sometimes it's hard to see God or to recognize God when he's working in our lives. There are times when we can be looking right at him and we don't even see him. And the story that we have read today and last week is a story about seeing God. There were these two guys who were on a journey. They were out on the road. You know, so many great stories, so many great books are about things that happen to people while they're on the road. And because of our literature, we've come to understand that a road is not just a path or a dirt track, or an asphalt, convey, uh, asphalt conveyance conveying us from one location to another. The road can be a place of discovery. And so with that in mind, this story is about movement. It's about moving from one place to another. But it's about movement, not only from being able to see God, from not being able to see God, but from being able to move from that place of blindness to being able to see him. And it's about how Jesus Christ reveals himself to people on a spiritual journey. 
After the trauma of the crucifixion, these two followers of Jesus were leaving town, either just going home or escaping the city, just getting out of Dodge. But here's, the, here's what was going on. They had lost their faith in the word of God, and they'd given up hope in Jesus. Some of the women had come back that morning from the tomb where Jesus was buried, but it didn't make any sense what they said. Supposedly, an, an angel had told them that he was alive, but they didn't know what to think about that. That just didn't make sense. And then they met this mysterious stranger on the road. Jesus just sidled up beside them and started walking with them. The literal translation of the text says that their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. They didn't see him. Literally, their brains were kept from understanding what their eyes were seeing. And so for all intents and purposes, Jesus was a stranger to them. They were looking right at him. But they had no idea who he was. And so Jesus said, hey, what are y'all talking about? As if to say, what's going on in your life? Now, at first, they were astonished that he had no idea about what had been happening in Jerusalem that week. And then for hours, Jesus started teaching them. He took them through the most intensive Bible study ever Given. He walked them through every story, every law, every prophecy, every prayer, every song, every proverb, and every word showing them how it all pointed to Jesus of Nazareth, proving from the words of Scripture that everything that had happened was exactly what was supposed to happen to the Messiah. So in other words, what they saw as a disaster the stranger declared as proof that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus hadn't failed. God had not failed. Everything had happened according to the plan. It's all there. And so rather than disprove the claims of Jesus, these things should prove that Jesus is exactly who they had hoped him to be. Now that's where we left the story last week. Still on the road, but with this observation, that Jesus was walking with them long before they recognized who he was. He was with them long before they ever realized it. And even though they didn't recognize him, and even though they were deaf to the testimony of their friends, and even though they were cold to the promises of God, he was with them the whole time. And that's true for us too. He was there with them. And even when we don't see him, he is with us. The story begins with the promise of his presence. It is about Jesus walking with them, unseen, even though they didn't even know it. Even though they were blinded by the circumstances. Even though... Jesus deliberately hid himself from them until the right moment. He is here with us the whole time. But then finally, they drew close to the village of Emmaus with their heads spinning, trying to absorb the massive amount of biblical information that he'd given them. 
And as they turned off the road, the stranger just kept on walking straight. So they said, wait a minute, come on, it's getting late, late, it's, it's too, you know, it's, it's getting dark, it's been a long day, come and stay with us. And so the stranger went in with them. And so when they got home, the scripture says, when he was at table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. And then something amazing happened. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. This was the moment that Jesus had been waiting for. The stranger was no longer a stranger. Their eyes were opened. What had been shut was now opened. What was dark was now illuminated. Now they could see and it all started to fall together. It all made sense now. And what started off as an ordinary supper for weary travelers was transformed by Christ into something extraordinary. I mean, listen to the specific language that Luke uses, the purposeful words that he uses. Took, blessed, broke, gave. This is the Lord's Supper the sign, the seal, the sacramental meal that Jesus had shared with his disciples just days before. I mean, here are all the elements, the words, the invitation, the presence of Christ. And Christ was no longer the guest. He became the host. He took over the table just as he had taken over the conversation on the road. And he showed the extraordinary purpose of this ordinary meal. Now, since the days of the early church, commentators and scholars and general Christians have agreed that on the road to Emmaus, the Last Supper became the Lord's Supper. The sacrifice became the sacrament. The meal that was originally seen as a warning of his betrayal and suffering was recast as the fulfillment of his love for us and his victory over death. And with this, the pieces fell into place to reveal the whole picture. That which was prophesied, the promised Savior has come in Jesus. He was crucified, he died and was buried. His body was broken, his blood was poured out for us. And just like the Bible said it would be, and now here he was, alive with them, and it all came together. And then what happens? Poof, he disappeared. Gone just like that. In addition to telling us about one of the most moving and interesting events after Jesus' resurrection, this story is about how we, people on a spiritual journey, come to see God for who he really is. So many people just cannot recognize God for who he really is. People get impressions of God all the time, glimpses of God from the world around us. We see that in Romans 1. We see that in Psalm chapter 19. But these impressions, sadly, although they're beautiful, they're incomplete. They're like fingerprints on a pot, the, the, the fingerprints a potter leaves on a vessel in the moist clay that he's shaping. God's fingerprints are everywhere. 
They're over all of creation in nature and common humanity. But these fingerprints are not enough to tell us who he was. They're enough to tell us that this pot was not made by human hands, but they don't tell us anything about the maker, about his personality, about his character, about his desires, about his will. And sadly, for most people, all they really know about God are just the fingerprints. Beyond that, what they know about God is just guesswork or their own speculation or what they've heard from others. And this causes millions of people to rely on their own experience or dismiss God completely or to bet their lives on guesswork. And if they look for God in all those ways, they're going to end up looking for God in all the wrong places. But here's the thing. God doesn't want us just guessing about who he is. He doesn't want us to guess about his nature or his desire or his will. Instead, God approaches us on our our spiritual journey because we may be headed in the wrong direction. We may be headed in the right direction. We may be stuck in a ditch or we may just be exhausted or we may be skipping merrily down the road with the sun in our faces, satisfied with our own lives but ignorant of him. And so what does God do? He steps into our lives. He approaches us on the road and asks, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? What are you talking about? Where are you going? He approaches us. We don't flush him out or force him into the open. Rather, God reveals himself. And he does so in his own way. He does so through his word. He does so through the witness of people who know him. He does so through his presence. And he does so through the sacraments. See, the promise of this story, excuse me, the purpose of this story is to underscore the importance of the way God reveals himself through testimony, through his presence, through his word, and through the sacraments. There's so many misunderstandings about God, and most of them are based on ignorance, that guesswork that distorts the truth. And so God has revealed himself in these ways. First, in his word, he tells us about himself. The Bible is God's autobiography. It's about his relationships with people, his likes, his dislikes, his personality, his character, his expectations, and most of all, his love. And when mere words are too abstract, the Bible tells us about God made man, Jesus Christ. He is the word made flesh. And Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. If you want to know who God really is, then look at me. If you want to know what God is really like, Jesus says, look at me. You know, I've had so many angry people at one time or another who've wanted to debate me and have said, you know what, I don't believe in God. And I'll say, okay, tell me about the God you don't believe in. And they'll describe this vindictive, arbitrary, narrow-minded tyrant or some pathetic, impotent, weepy-eyed simpleton or some some apathetic, uncaring force. And I'll look at them and say, wow, okay, well, that doesn't sound like the God I believe in either. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the God I do believe in. 
He's the God of the Bible. He's the God who created the heavens and the earth and who saved his people from slavery. He's the God who holds the heavens in the palm of his hand and yet was born in a manger. He is the one who overthrows empires and yet would raise up a dead little girl. He's the one who died for our sins and yet who conquered death. This is the God, this is the God of the written word, the God of the written word, and this is the God who is the word made flesh. So God reveals himself through his word, but he also reveals, us, reveals himself through his sacraments. So why is the sacrament of the Lord's Supper so necessary to understand God for who he really is? Because the sacrament is a physical sign. It's a seal. It's a tangible reminder that God is real, that Jesus is real, that the Holy Spirit is real, and that these things really happened. It is a reminder that the God we worship, the God we trust, is as real as the bread that you put in your mouth and the cup that you bring to your lips. And it reminds us that we cannot know Jesus Christ until we know him first as crucified and then as risen. Cleopas and the other guy were probably not at the Last Supper, but I bet by now they'd heard about it, how Jesus had taken the bread, he'd taken the wine, and he said, take, this is my body, which is given for you, and drink, this is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I like to imagine that as they were sitting at the table with him, that their eyes were opened when he picked up the bread and he broke it and they finally saw his nail-scarred hands. It was the marks of his suffering, the mark of his suffering love that finally gave him away. And that was their first communion. You know, we don't really know Jesus if we know him just for his wisdom or his prophecy or his teaching or his charity or even his miracles. We don't know him if we see him only as a distant deity or spiritual symbol. People have tried to know Jesus in a variety of different ways, through different filters. But the only way that we can see him clearly is through the lens of his death and resurrection. We can know a lot about Jesus, but we cannot really know Jesus himself until we know him as the one whose body was broken and whose blood was poured out, who really gave his life so that we could really live. And the Last Supper is not just real, it's also a gift. Think about the words that Jesus spoke at the Last Supper. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood, which is poured out for you, this new covenant in my blood. You see, Jesus is not just with us. He is also for us. Karl Barth said that the nature of saving faith is believing that what God has done for us in Jesus Christ is not only true, it's true for me. It's true for you. 
believing that this God, this relationship, this Savior, this grace, this purpose, and this power is for you. And on that basis, trusting him with your life. The gospel is not just information. It's about a relationship. The disciples asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You see, Jesus had made them restless. He'd given them a heartache for God by telling them about what God had done. But their hearts were not satisfied until he made it personal. And they remembered that the body was broken for them and the blood was poured out for them. And the word of God tells us about who God really is and the sacraments of baptism and communion stamp that truth upon our lives. When Jesus broke the bread, he didn't just reveal his true identity. He revealed our true identity as well. When he opens our eyes, he not only reveals himself, he reveals something about us. He reveals our true identity as beloved children of God. He is the Savior who is with us even when we don't see him because we are the Father's beloved children. And when we understand who we really are and what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, then we will also understand that there is nothing that can separate us from his love. And that changes everything. So what happened to these two when they saw Jesus? Scripture says that they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. These two people who were running away from Jerusalem in fear literally turned around and returned to start telling people what they had seen. The disciples didn't just sit there wondering what to do. Instead, they jumped up and ran back to tell everyone what Jesus had done and what they had seen, how he had taught them the truth of God's word on the road and how he had been made known to them and the breaking of the bread. You see what happened here? He not only changed their vision, he changed their direction. He changed their minds. He literally changed their lives. They were transformed. They turned around, literally And then they started telling everyone. Instead of running away and hiding, they told everything, everyone, what had happened. They had seen Jesus alive, just like the women had on that Easter morning. Because when they finally saw him, and they finally saw who he really is, and they finally understood who we really are. Because when they saw that Jesus was alive, and had been raised from the dead, they began to see the world and their circumstances in a completely different light. He reveals, that is, he makes us see the things that we can't see on our own. And he helped them see that they no longer had to be afraid, that they no longer had to run, because anything that death can take away, anything this world can take away, anything that, that our culture can take away, God can give back. So this morning, I want to pose a question. What's going on in your life? What are you talking about? What's happening? 
Is it possible that Jesus is approaching you? Is it possible that he is present and wants to not only show you who he is, but show you who you really are? There's a great old C.S. Lewis quote. Lewis said, I not only see the sun, but by it I see everything else. God is with us. Jesus is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. It's easy to be God blind. Maybe it happens because of pain, or maybe it happens because of tragedy or hurt, or maybe it's just because of distraction. But God has given us His Word. He's given us the testimony of his people. He's given us his sacraments and he's given us the presence of his Holy Spirit to remind us that he really does love you. Whenever the word is preached, wherever the bread is broken, there the presence presence of the living Christ is with us. And in his presence, we all become first-generation Christians. And every meeting place becomes Emmaus. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we come before you this morning trusting that you are with us and thankful that you have revealed yourself in different ways. But Lord, we know that nothing's going to happen until you reveal yourself to us. And we thank you for coming to us with a question. What are you talking about? Where are you going? How are you doing? You approach us with a question, Lord, because you care. You want to hear our answers. But most of all, you want to reveal yourself to us so that we will know not only who you are, but who we really are as well. So, Lord, open not only our eyes, but open our minds and our hearts to you as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.